I uh, love hearing everybody kind of check in and say um, what they believe or what they feel is their best way to drop into uh, awakening their internal awareness, right? Because we're all so different. We're all so... Um, we're all delicate snowflakes, right? <laughs> we all have different facets and different things about ourselves that make us really sacred and special and unique. And because of that, uh, when the students come to the mat as a teacher, you are gonna find, just like all the responses to what everybody said really kind of got them jazzed up or is their favorite way to put their tush to the cush, to meditate, to find center, to um, tap into this way of pure seeing. So different. It's so varied. And um, some people might do things where they don't see it as a meditation practice, but it actually is a meditation practice. So to me, the title of this class is Walking Sit Something. Okay, right? So, so everything to me is meditation, right? Because if we practice the, like when Amy sat through the Yoga Sutras with me, the first limbs, the first precept, the first principle of our yoga practice is what? No, I like that, but yeah, <laughs> what? What's the word that starts with uh, the first letter of the alphabet that we're teaching? No, that's cute too. Ahimsa, right. And what does ahimsa mean? Okay, but that's like the... Do no harm. To whom? Ourselves and others, right? In thought, in speech, and in action. So truly, if we follow the first principle and the first precept of our practice and what we're going out there as teachers, as pure of heart revolutionary spirits, we're actually going out there meditating every single breath we take. <laughs> so like if we're coming to a tech to learn about a seated, walking, standing, rolling, and somersaulting class, of what meditation is, really, you're already doing it. Were you kind to the person that you woke up next to? Hopefully, not under. I would have been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Were you kind to the people that you interacted with when maybe you went and took an asana practice this morning? Were you kind to your food before you ate it? Right? Not a joke. Serious. Were you kind to yourself before you got out of bed and maybe said something that you were grateful for, right? Instead of thinking like, oh my god, I press snooze and, and I want to skim the internet and lay in bed and not do anything. Right? We can come up with all kinds of different ideas, right? And I know a lot of you have children or, um, you know, are maybe grandparents or have uh, other parts of your family members living with you, but were, did you, how did you interact with them, right? Because that's your meditation practice. Seated, walking, moving, breathing, pooping, you know, everything that you can think of, it's mindfulness in motion. 
you received one handout that kind of is um, gives you a really big overview on meditation, and that was the first kind of grouping of handouts. We're not really going to tap into it, but I like the idea of um, when you're exploring meditations for the title of that handout that I gave you, that catching your breath is often the only break you get during the day. And if you're practicing yoga, right, because in America we don't, we say yoga, but it's actually yoga. If we're practicing yoga, what's the different definition of yoga? Union. Balance. Harmony. Right? So by catching your breath and creating that break and ease in your life, you are practicing vinyasa. You are practicing a moving meditation every moment. In your sleep, we breathe unconsciously, right? Sleep is a process of regeneration. But once we wake up, once we become aware of our surroundings and, and that moment-to-moment awareness doesn't stop, then we start again. Ata, now is the time. We're always always doing seated, moving, breathing meditations. So then if we kind of go into uh, the um, handouts that we're going to discuss today, those two last pages that you received, there's a wide variety of spiritual exercises that use postures and movement as paths to compassion and contemplation. But the ultimate thing that I really want you to wake, walk out of this room with is that when you're synchronizing breath with your mind's intention, your breath and your day-to-day minutiae become your ahimsa practice. They become your meditation practice. Everything that you do, if you do it with that moment-to-moment awareness, and really with that radical compassion of the pure of heart revolutionary spirits that you're becoming as you become teachers. This class is superfluous. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So helpful. Huh? So helpful. Oh, good. Awesome. And now you're still at that kundalini bliss, so you're, like, all set. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... What I put out here for this meditation um, examples and things that we're going to kind of go over today is um, some key things that I believe really show up as you are finding peace and contentment and a solid sense of unfuckwith ability. That's what kind of meditation helps you to really find. Did you know that when you do these practices, when you really um, become the yoga teacher or the pure of heart revolutionary spirit, you get superpowers? Mm -hmm. You get superpowers. In the Yoga Sutras, it starts talking about how yogis, which would be a yogi, and yoginis, which is the rest of us, Uh, we gain superpowers, and we become siddhas. 
Siddhas, S-I-D-D-H-A, or S-I-D-D-A, different ways of spelling it, but Siddha means super. So you get superhero powers. But through meditation, we gain an amazing way to um, find these superpowers because we zoom in, which gives us focus and clarity. We zoom out, which gives us perspective. And that purposeful pause gives us the opportunity to change the channel. So we become proactive versus reactive. We become responsive to situations versus just like flipping your lid and pulling your hair out, right? How many um, minutes do you think that you have in a day? Yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, 1,440 minutes in a day. So our ultimate goal is when we're not sleeping. I know, isn't that impressive? It's my field. I have to know it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Um, you know, each moment is a gift, but your brain a lot of times comes to the mat, and it's um, not happy. It's not positive. It's not content, right? And our breathing practice and our meditation practice and any form of getting into the zone and being present in that moment-to-moment -moment awareness allows you to tap into um, contentment, peace, ease. What's another word that you really crave? Serenity. Serenity. Connection. Connection. Balance. Balance. Joy. Beautiful. Bliss. Bliss. Mm -hmm. Acceptance. Acceptance. By whom? Self-acceptance. Mm -hmm. Right? An acceptance of the world as it is. Right? The people around you. Right? How about universal love? Universal love, right? See where we're going with this? So if you really take these uh, uh, 1,440 minutes in a day and give yourself the gift of meditation, you not only gain those super powers of zooming in and zooming out, but the pur purposeful pause allows you to um, like get mental, emotional, and spiritual space. Right? So let's just look and see how everybody's sitting because I had a lot of you pull away from the wall. And I'm not a good example of sitting right now. <laughs> What's the easiest way to get your superpowers to come into play? Right? Awesome, Sally. So let's all readjust. Some of you were here yesterday um, and we talked a little bit about. Um, just ways to protect our knees. But sitting in Sukhasana, which is this called easy pose, not only protects your knees when you elevate your tush, that's why they say put your tush to the cush, but it also allows you to get your 
your central nervous system into alignment. Right? So what do yogis call our central nervous system? Right? The nadis and the chakras. And they float along the spinal column. And they allow your brain to find balance between the two hemispheres. Right? So your central nervous system, if it's cockamamie or if it's kind of like bent and rounded and you're in a more protective space, how do you think your brain is going to function? Right? It's not going to be as kind of tuned in to your channel. And uh, the channel or the central nervous system that yogis call it the Shashumna Nadi, right? And they kind of call it the golden line, the Hara line. A lot of people have also called it the axial trunk because that trunk is your support. It's your central um, uh, structure like a tree trunk that allows you to be nurtured and whole. So sometimes just having a student or yourself when you're in more of a kind of reactionary space to uh, just come into alignment and take a couple deep breaths. Not only are you meditating, even if it's for two seconds, but you're allowing yourself to use your breath as a tool to tap into awareness. <clears throat> Whether it's seated or standing. So if I'm standing and I have a straight back and my arms are down by my sides, what's that called? Tadasana. So Tadasana is a meditative space. So, going back to your page here, that meditation is so much more than just sitting on a pillow for an hour. But now we have an opportunity to sit right here in Sukhasana and create space. What if we did just a minute or so of breathing in a seated meditation and we took and put our hands into a mudra practice? So the, let's take and do a really simple mudra that helps you tap into your life force. And um, mudras are um, energetic seals. And yoga practices last in your uh, Shushumna Nadi, in your Hara line, in your central nervous system for over 24 hours, which is really cool. That's why a lot of people really like yoga, whether or not they know what they're doing in their practice. They like the after effect because, like you said, it brings bliss. Mm -hmm. It taps, it breaks down those walls and layers that we've created, our jagged edges of culture, of life, of just different ex personal experiences, and it allows you to get to your bliss body. So the energy of a physical practice, a moving meditation, gives you a 24-hour kind of after effects, the rebound. When you do a mudra, if you allow the mudra to kind of be held in your hands for over about, say, two to six minutes, it has an effect in your body for six hours. And think of like, what's this symbol? Right? Mudra for happiness. What's this symbol? 
okie dokie, right? Okay. It's the, it's the cosmic connection here. It's the spark that allows you, it's called the Jnana Mudra. Some people pronounce it differently and there's other names for it, but it's the okay symbol is actually a mudra to kind of tap you into connection, which is a beautiful word. Not just connection with Indra's web, something greater than us, but to connect within, to reconnect with yourself. It's your best friend. So today I thought we could do the Apan Mudra. You take and you bring your um, uh, middle finger and your ring finger and you touch it towards the um, thumb. You take the rest of the fingers and you just spread them, uh, which is the pinky and the index finger, and you spread them out away from you. And this is a, a really good grounding one, and this allows you to uh, uh, create space to calm down and reconnect. As you touch the thumb to the middle finger and the ring finger, and the rest of the fingers kind of stretch out, do you notice how your elbows just gently come towards your ribcage? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. FYI, this is the seated portion of your practice. <laughs> um, your elbows hug your ribcage in order to allow your um, spine, which in Tibetan practice is called a dharma or a pillar, because your body is a temple, right? And yogis, we talk a lot about the kumbhaka, because our body is a vessel. Have you ever heard that before? Right? So the spine becomes the pillar or the dharma that allows you to create space so you can clean out the crud and the crap and the impurities, whether it's physical, emotional, or you know, spiritual, and create more space for you to go out there with this idea of pure seeing and be a better human. Okay? Touchy, touchy. Shoulders are open. Eyes are soft. And just begin to feel yourself relaxing and breathing. And this is breaking down those myths. Remember, you don't need a robe. You don't need to kind of be looking a specific way. You're just allowing yourself to breathe. So as you come into this space, begin to visualize, whether your eyes are closed or your eyes are open, begin to visualize a beautiful lotus flower. It's just resting on the top of the lake. And you can sense that your breath Start to soften. Feel the breath as it moves through you. And begin to observe how the breath allows the lotus flower to just ebb and flow with it. Riding the waves of life with grace. Maybe there's sun shining. Maybe it's cool and crisp. Maybe you can even see the dew drops. 
on the petals of the lotus flower, but beginning to see its beauty. As you inhale and exhale, witnessing your breath, feel yourself becoming that beautiful lotus flower. Feel your body rooting down. And just like the stem of the lotus flower that's touching the floor of the body of water, there's dregs and sediment and gunk, murk and mire. But begin to acknowledge all of the challenges and now let them go so that they're not ruminating within. And feel yourself grounded, spacious, steady. Feel the breath as it cleans out the impurities, lets them go back into Mother Earth and allows you to create space. Feel your body anchoring down and letting go. Acknowledge the feelings and just sit with it. No judgment. Feel how the beautiful rhythm of your breath, this self-care practice, is also self-healing. As you exhale, feel yourself connected down into the ground. Feel that beautiful oceanic breath allowing you to soften. Feel the pulse in your fingertips as the breath moves through the spine. Your diaphragm rises and falls as your prana, your life force, that subtle energy brightens you. Inhaling and exhaling. Feeling the power in the stillness. Notice your shoulders relaxing. Offering your heart a bigger hug from your lungs. Inhale. And exhale peace.
Inhale. And exhale, compassion. Inhale. And exhale, love. And as you feel the nurturing energy of the breath, make its way up to the thousand petal lotus flower. Feel yourself refreshed and renewed and replenished. Sure, there might be leaves on the flower that might not be perfect. But no one's asking you to be perfect. You're just being full of possibility, embracing every facet and every part of you so that you can radiate that pure potentiality. And you can allow your pure of heart revolutionary spirit to shine brightly. As you ride the waves of the breath with grace, begin to feel complete and whole. Feel the smoothness of the breath. this silence that you've created, that positive prescription for peace. Keeping your eyes closed and your body brilliant, just radiating that positivity, begin to guide your hands to slowly start to move as the thumbs caress the tips of the fingers. Start to take and gently rotate the wrists one direction and then in the opposite. Your eyes are still closed. Begin to bring your hands in front of your heart, that true expression of the Anjali, where you hold the preciousness of your heart in your hands and you're finding that you are radiant and bright, bountiful and blissful. And if anything is still kind of congested or getting stuck or trapped within you, take and bring your hands out in front of you, still the lotus flower, just floating on the water elegantly. Take and sweep your hands forward, up, and over as if you're putting the icky stuff and you're pushing it out away. Any lingering doubt, 
any negativity, anything that kind of like is that barbed wire around your mind, just throw it literally like water over your shoulder. And with your next inhale, draw your palms to your forehead for right thought. Your hands to your mouth for right speech. And your hands to your heart for right action. And then rub your palms together vigorously as fast, as fast, as fast, as fast as you can. And take the warmth of your hands over your closed eyes. And allow your hands to release as your eyes open up to a whole new moment with a smile. Did the expression of the breath feel in your body as you were experiencing that moment-to-moment -moment awareness? Soft. Soft. It's interesting because there's many ways to guide people into seated meditations, right? So you raised a really good point. You can count the breath. You can do uh, like uh, uh, different breath ratios. But when we are in this time where it's very um, high stress, right? It's like stress is the highest it's been in, in, in like 10 years. There's just some... some reports coming out, a lot of people are coming to the mat because they're suffering from anxiety. So if you then tell them how to cue a breath or like they'll feel like they're not keeping up and then in turn they're coming to calm their shit down, but they actually get more anxious because they're not 
able to do what is supposedly supposed to be done in the class. And so as a teacher, on the first um, kind of part where we start talking about like prana, you all know what prana is, right? Your life force and your subtle energy. But when you're extending your pranayama and you're developing the witness, it's not about um, kind of doing breath ratios per se. It's actually about looking at the idea of vinyasa, that word vinyasa that comes next on your sheet. When broken down to its Sanskrit roots, the term vinyasa means to place in a special way. So the idea of vinyasa can go into your breathing practices in the sense of, as teachers, we're looking at everybody's skeleton as a different entity. Every human being's different. We have 25 people in here. All of you are having a totally different experience on the mat. And that's really, really important as a teacher because we're working from modifications on up. So you have to meet each student where they're at. And in some ways, it's asking you to be a little um, ADD because you're multitasking all the time. You're going to see expressions on people's faces if they start getting panicky or if they start getting like uh, uneasy. And you have to really kind of work within the confines of what they feel comfortable with. So it's a, it's a little bit of a dance. So that, that's why I really like that word vinyasa because the breath synchronized movement includes a seated meditation. And you have to see each student where they're at. So then cueing the breath all the time or making specific demands can be really intimidating. And we want people to come back. We want people to um, tap in and tune into themselves. We want people to find, um, with kids we use like little glitter jars, regulation jars. Um, you know, like when you make tea or coffee in a press pot, right? And you press that thing down a couple times and then you pull it up and then everything's going bleh, bleh, like, you know, it's all freaky snow globe, okay? But then all of a sudden things drop in, right? And once things kind of drop in, all of a sudden someone can feel their feels. Someone can start to really like listen to their heart's desire. And I know a lot of people think I look through the world with um, rose-colored glasses or that it's very unicorn and rainbowy, but in, <laughs> in some ways, some of that like you know PC stuff, that positive thing, that messaging, it actually is true because when people come to the mat and they can allow their energy to relax, when you create stillness and a purposeful pause, all of a sudden you can really hear what your intention or what your authenticity or what your possibility for the life is. But we're just constantly like that stuff inside of the jar being bombarded. And so hopefully this experience of a seated meditation shows you a way through two different tools, whether it's driving in the car and doing this or um, sitting right here right now taking five minutes for yourself to breathe. That is, to me, a vinyasa, because you're tapping into your prana, your life force. 
Um, Take every word I say with a grain of salt and teach from, you know, your heart, from your experience. Especially if it feels good for you and you're going to teach to people who resonate with you, then you teach what you find is the best way. Because the next word on your sheet is what? Yeah, shtira sukha asanam. So we're teaching through breathing and mindfulness practices like meditation how to shift smoothly into the inner state of equilibrium and peace which is basically the essence of hatha yoga right what's ha what's ta okay so it's demonstrating the right and left hemispheres of the mind and in order to align your central nervous system, we need to balance out the ha and the ta, right? So in, if you're in left brain uh, and you're like ruminating or you're like guessing or figuring things out or um, ex have these expectations, that's not going to keep you in the more creative right brain, open awareness, kind of liberated space, right? We're trying to create balance between the two so we don't get triggered to flip our lid. So ha and ta are really important when we think about the idea of uh, being in the zone. Um, when you flip the sheet, ha ta is also uh, defined as force or masterful. So those of you who will be or have taken uh, the sutras with me know that if we have 24 hours a day and seven days a week um, and we feel like our world is moving really fast and there's not enough time for things to happen, the first thing that people like to get rid of is their meditation practice, right? Which is kind of a joke for like, because 
first of all, Sally should be teaching class because I like know nothing. But for those of you who've practiced for a really long time, you know how much and how profound the practice affects you in a positive way, right? But if we um, want to find mastery in our life, and you'll learn this through the sutras, it's habitual and repetitive and is something that you meet every day. And that's the only way, really, that you can find um, this regulatory practice of meditation having the effects on your life. On this other handout, that's not really what we're talking about today, but just extra stuff for you. I also listed apps for those of you who are millennials. <laughs> right? Because there's a whole new world out there. You can, uh, who said that they like self-guided med guided meditations, right? And you probably do it on an app. There are tons of apps that are free that have guided meditations and really cool stuff. Okay? They, sometimes they offer them seated, sometimes they offer them standing up, sometimes it's chanting and mantra practices. Hmm? Oops, That's okay. I just feel like every class. That's all good. And what I like about apps and what I like about guided things like um, when you said that you use things on the internet, YouTube has great free stuff. And when you do um, this uh, kind of practice um, allows you to not stress over it. It doesn't make it overwhelming. It makes it feel capable. Those are all really, really, really huge things. So that's another reason I like the point of what you said about not cueing the breath. My friend back at the back of the room. Because it, it, if you make something overwhelming or untangible or um, too esoteric, and I like big words and I like really like, um, you know, like kind of pulling back and getting all like, you know, interesting. But you can't do all that woo-woo stuff. You have to ease people in and make it, um, allow them just to start to, uh, to be in the present um, so that they can find their own inner peace. The rest of, any questions? Everybody's okay? Wait, she's laughing. Oh, I just was reading your list of sacred dance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? Okay, so um, moving meditation, seated meditation, and walking meditation, right? Is kind sitting of, walking, huh? Sitting, walking, asana. Yeah. Okay, so we're sat, right? Um, there's also a whole other list of interesting things here that I have here of many ways to be in the zone, to be masterful using the breath to find moment-a-moment -moment awareness, right? Meditation has um, been proven really effective in supporting healthy um, populations like are suffering from stress and experiencing disorders or pathology, right? So anxiety is a pathology. 
And we're not doctors, we just play them on TV. So we have to be really, really careful about the things that we um, are kind of sharing or teaching, right? So um, another pathology other than anxiety is depression, insomnia, cancer, and chronic pain, right? That's what's drawing people to the map. So what I put here is that there are many ways to be in the zone. There's many ways to meditate because as a teacher, you have really cool opportunities to try different stuff. You don't have to be limited to a box. Hopefully. I don't know. Someone might say, oh, so just do what feels good. Uh, so there's lots of ways to, uh, whether it's seated, walking, or asana practice, to find a way to surf the breath to find a way to tune in and to uh, recalibrate and allow your superhuman machine to function properly. So I named some really fun things. Obviously, we don't have that much more time, so we will definitely do a walking meditation. And then we are gonna try to do uh, maybe a Qigong thing and uh, to, uh, uh, we are not allowed to light candles, so we won't do a fixed gaze meditation, but I'll talk about it. Uh, we might try to um, play with the energy field between your hands. That's listed there. Does anybody do body work? So anybody who does body work, Reiki. Uh, oh, how was that? Didn't you? Did you take it? Didn't you take it? Um, uh, I, I took the Thai body massage. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But any kind of like hands on healing practices and stuff like that is really an interesting way to expand your yoga niche as a teacher. When we do vinyasa yoga without looking at the other side, what does vinyasa mean? To put in a special way, right? So when you're breathing and you're concentrating on a single thing, your vinyasa practice, it doesn't matter if you do six poses in, in your class, like an Iyengar class, or if you do a restorative class, or a yin class, or if you do a power vinyasa class, you're focusing on the breath, right? So we're not going to obviously do a vinyasa practice, but if that's part of that... Mm, title. Uh, when you surf the breath, you could do Ashtanga yoga, right? Where it's a more synchronized system, a set sequence. And lots of studios have their own set sequences when you learn that. There's more dancing kind of practices like Shiva Ray or um, more, um, uh, you can look up these people. They do more like dancing kind of vinyasa practices, right? So there's all kinds of different vinyasas, and we can list a ton. I just listed a couple of them. Um, sacred dance. Uh, dance as though the world around you is your partners. Have you ever heard of whirling dervishes? <laughs> right? So you can Google it. It's pretty interesting to see. But when the whirling dervishes dance, they dance, right? And there's a certain kind of yoga style, because there's different kinds of yoga like bhakti yoga, which is the yoga of devotion or yoga of love, right? Um, there's all kinds of different yoga practices. So whirling dervishes are dancing 
for their vinyasa practice. Even in the 70s, when people were doing disco, that is a form of yoga. <laughs> you did? Yeah? Yeah, right? <laughs> Staying alive. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't um, and so kundalini practices, some of you took that class the other day, some of you do it online, but kundalini practices are pretty fascinating because literally, like, um, uh, uh, Gurmukh, you got to look up Gurmukh. She's the bomb. Uh, and um, I have been in Gurmukh's classes where we played patty cake. No joke. Seriously, two people across, two people across, patty cake, patty cake, side, side, patty cake, blah, blah, blah. There's a reason for all of this stuff. It's right brain, left brain. It's about sensory integration. I have been in classes with her where we ran around the room in circles, shaking one arm for 10 minutes, switching to the other arm for 10 minutes, then just running around, hopping on one leg, shaking a leg. You know, get my gist? And just literally going in a circle. And then after we did the body parts, we went the opposite direction did the same thing. Right? So there are all kinds of different things to do that are vinyasa, where you're doing it in a forceful or masterful way to engage your um, uh, integration. Right? To create that um, wholeness. To reconnect what's been disconnected from life experiences, positive or negative. Uh, even ballroom dancing, right? I have a ballroom dance instructor that I took a class with. Um, I was dating this one guy, and he was, like, really into dancing, but he always stepped on my feet. Yeah. But the teacher was fascinating because she's actually, her main source of revenue that she does is she teaches people breath work. And so ballroom dancing is all about breath work. That's a vinyasa. Um, then you go into like Tai Chi practices or Aikido, where you're practicing peace. Um, Qigong, there's all these amazing things that they do in Qigong practices. There's a great teacher, um, Spring Forest Qigong at Normandale Community College. If you want to learn about Qigong practices, that is really, really amazing the way that he teaches. You can do different levels and stuff like that. But like patting the bear, very similar to a kundalini practice, right? Um, there is a kundalini practice. Uh, let's wake up a little bit so you can stand up.
This actually helps to make you um, feel more balmy. Okay. So as you inhale, you breathe in, and then you exhale, and you turn to a side, and you go, shh. Okay, you're going to have to be loud. Inhale, breathe in. Exhale, shh. Okay, get the gist? So it goes pretty fast. And if you feel comfortable, you're going to use your arms and make them wide. So you can decide to hold your hip. Just make sure you don't hit your neighbor. Okay? And we're not going to do this for super long, but you're going to notice what happens. So feel your feels right now. And kind of just acknowledge where you're at and what state your body's in. And now let's begin. Inhale, breathe in. Find some resiliency and let's go for it. Some people haven't. Um, just turn to the person next to you. Tell them your name. 
just gently hit, thumping each side of the spine. So you're standing behind the person, behind the person. You're behind the person, like standing, there you go. That person who's, okay, that person who is forward pull, you're going to walk your hands slowly up the side of the spine, and they only come up as you hit that spot in their back. So they're rounding up. Space. 
When people just do belly breathing, they don't realize that they should be using their diaphragm. So something like running really helps. So what I'm guiding you to now is a walking meditation. And the reason we're going to place our hands in this specific way is because it makes you think about what you're doing with your breath. Okay? So take and bring your index finger to your belly button. Take and bring three fingers on the other hand below the index finger. Okay? Release the index finger and take it below the uh, three fingers. What is the first chakra called? Root. So what do you think it looks like? Haha, <laughs> you're so funny. Okay, bad question, Jessica. What do you think the root looks like? Oh, right? Okay. It's kind of like the roots of a tree, right? It's got lots of little networks and stuff. Well, scientists call it ganglions and nerves. So if you think about where the breathing emanates, it emanates from these ganglion and nerves that are somewhere situated kind of where your fingers are now. So when we put our hands here into the, um, uh, I can't remember what this is called at the moment, but when we put our hands here in our for our walking meditation, it allows you to think about breathing from down here and elevating, like your hands are a little trampoline, they're not going to move, but it elevates the diaphragm to move up and down. What do you notice with your shoulders? Drop back, open. Yeah? Your shoulders fit in your back pockets. You're trying to create alignment. You're creating space. Okay, put your arms down by your sides. Please be careful of your friends. Walk around like you're late to an important, important meeting. Moment awareness, right? 
So there's lots of different schools of thought, but um, I love this saying by Thich Nhat Hanh, where you walk as if your feet are kissing the earth, okay? So you can walk in nature, you can walk in a mindful meditation group with people, sometimes you walk in a circle, but you're still walking heel to toe. And if you've ever seen or heard about like Native American Indians when they walk through the forest, they're trying not to leave a trace, right? So it's heel to toe. And now you don't need to go like heel to toe, heel to toe, like you're walking on a, um, a bounce beam, but you're just walking heel to toe, being really aware of the presence of your legs. Inhale, exhale. Inhale.
So like someone could walk into a corner or anywhere. To the pillar, you're walking anywhere. Gently guide your body back to your mat. Got sleepy again. Oh yeah, it's just really soothing. Soothing. Um, it's really focusing on the two things, the breath and the staff. Um, so it's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. I can see, the other thing is, I can see doing this, but wanting to look upwards, and I felt so compelled to look downwards mm. that it, it took some of the joy out of it. I yeah. want to, yeah. want to see. Yeah. Well, if you do any activity outside today, and you do it in, with a mindful walking practice, yeah. probably be a different experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of us, so it's a little bit challenging. And then you have all the energies, too, and people are sensitive to energy, which I am. I, it's, it was more, I guess, into the focus. Hmm. Anybody else? I felt like, I don't know if it's because I've done a lot of yoga this weekend, but I felt yeah. like despite the small space of the 800 people, I, I was still in the total self. Yeah, right. that's important to realize like because we all have different experiences and we're coming to this um, um, noticing something that triggers us but not being reactive to it and noticing that you're like really into it and not getting like stuck in that like you know so that's that raga dvesha you're always there's always two sides of the coin but in yoga we're trying to find the middle path so how do we just find equanimity and ease what? Those words aren't on there. Oh, that's okay. okay. I was just kidding. Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. So having the experience, but not getting flustered by it or letting it take you into a place of negativity or down a, into a shit storm, right? But how to find calm within the center of the storm, right? In the eye of the storm good or bad, is what we're trying to do. And especially if you're an empath. This is a huge practice because the world is getting more and more tuned in to things, yeah? Um, and then my last question is, is um, how many people like to paint or cook or anything like that? Right? That's, that's yoga. That's, that's a moving meditation. That's, that's an art, right? That's being in the zone. Um, uh, a landmark study conducted by the Massachusetts General Hospital found that as little as eight weeks of meditation not only help people feel calmer, but also produce changes in various areas of the brain, including growth in the areas associated with memory, empathy, sense of self, and stress regulation. Right? Pretty amazing, yeah? When we are finding focus, attention, and calm, and soothing our body, we find an abiding trust within ourselves. Right? Yogis call this inner fire or prajna. So prajna is the highest and purest form of wisdom, intelligence, and understanding. Which in turn, this is huge, right? Unconsciously held obstructions and energetic blockages can be released and create connections. And in turn, we reduce worry, anxiety, and find profound, joyful insight. This joyful insight allows us to be content. This joyful insight allows us to simply be. There's all kinds of cool meditations and ways to be in the zone and ways to tap into your prana, your life force. Please don't put yourself within a box as a teacher. Please allow your brightness to shine and then you're going to be really, really effing incredible teachers. And you're going to have so much to offer the universe 
as um, you are those pure of hearts, revolutionary spirits that I know that you are. Okay? It was an honor to have this opportunity to hang out with all of you, and I hope that um, you have a really, really enjoyable afternoon.